0: In the spirit of back to school season, I would like to begin today's homily with an important life lesson from the fourth grade. Our teacher had been trying to teach us the importance of reading through all of the directions before starting a task. And apparently, this was pretty difficult for us to remember. So she passed out a sheet of paper with the afternoon's instructions. There were 10 steps, as I recall. The first task was to split up into groups of four and then move from station to station. And the stations had activities like long division, clapping erasers outside to clean off the chalk, uh, straightening the books, and defining really long vocabulary words. And we had to get to the end of the list before the bell rang. My group, I remember this very clearly, my group went to the math table first. And as we struggled with our difficult problem, I looked over and noticed that one kid was just sitting at her desk, smiling. Unfair, I thought, as we toiled away. This went on for a while, and as more kids noticed that girl just sitting there, we were very confused. The teacher seemed to be enjoying this. Finally, she stopped us and asked us to read the directions again. Sure enough. Number 10 at the bottom said, and I quote, remain at your seat. You do not have to do any of the items above. Congratulations on reading all of the directions first. The agony of that moment is still with me, but I do read all the directions through now. So in today's gospel, we find Jesus at the lead Pharisee's house for dinner. He's going on about humility and how we're supposed to invite the other kinds of people instead of the ones who are present at this party. Super fun and comfortable conversation for everyone present. At first glance, it sounds like Jesus is giving a list of instructions. If you are the guest at a wedding banquet, don't take the good seat in case you have to move. That would be embarrassing for everyone, so start out humble. And if you're the one throwing the party, don't invite the people who can repay you with a similar invitation. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. It's weird, isn't it, for Jesus to be giving etiquette instructions, kind of like his spiritual mismanners? But these are no ordinary instructions. Jesus isn't teaching us simply how to score social or spiritual points here. So if we remember that fourth grade lesson and read all the way to the end first, this will help us crack the code of this passage. Because that's what he's teaching. Read to the end first to understand. And he makes two brilliant moves in this parable. Here's the first. When you are invited, he says, Go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. There is a hidden subtlety here that means everything. He's not just talking about where to sit. He's not even talking about avoiding embarrassment or feigning humility. He's talking about perspective. The lowest seat has a double meaning in the ancient Greek. The word for lowest is eschaton, which is also the word for the last, for the end of time, for the end of life. Jesus is saying, take a step away from the pecking order for just a minute and look at the big picture. Get the perspective you can only get from the last lowest seat the perspective from death itself. He is suggesting, I think, that we consider our lives from the perspective of our death and of his death. We start at the end and we look back. This brings our lives into much sharper focus as any death does. We see the things that really matter. We embrace life more fully We take more risks. We learn how to better love ourselves and one another. We try to make a difference. And because our lives are so precious, we also seek healing in their darker places. That's a gift of the view from the end. Here's the second brilliant move. Jesus turns to the host and instructs him to invite those who cannot repay him. The last, the lost, the the least. This is not a superficial lesson in charity or outreach. This is a lesson about salvation. Jesus is the one who saves through his life, death, and resurrection. We do not earn our salvation by racking up good deeds. We cannot pay the host back, if you will. And the flip side is also true. Our list of sins cannot keep us separated from God. Jesus is destroying our attempts at spiritual scorekeeping. The lesson here is that we need to stop keeping track of all of our goodness and failings as if the end of our story depended on it. And that's a liberation. In one short parable, Jesus has laid out the view from the end and the mechanics of salvation. These are among the greatest gifts in the Christian message. They invite us to live our lives free from the fear of not measuring up. They invite us to live our lives already trusting in our salvation. In the 5th century, I know I've talked about him before, he's my favorite, St. Augustine wrote his masterwork, The City of God. It describes our earthly pilgrimage, uh, and life in the resurrection. So it, it, it chronicles the human life and then the heavenly life. Life on this side, he said, can be immensely difficult. But life on the other side of resurrection is blissful, he said. He ends the book with a very detailed vision of heaven, which he called resurrected life. At that time, we will all be made perfect, he says. There will be no suffering or pain or brokenness. Our bodies will be restored to their beauty and their perfection. Only the scars of the martyrs will remain as a means to show forth God's glory. It is a lovely vision of the end of our journey at the end of the book. And scholars have suggested that we should read that final heavenly chapter first, as the lens through which to read all of the preceding chapters about our earthly life. This is the view from the end. It is the Christian way of understanding life from the eschaton, from the last, from death itself. It's really earth through the lens of heaven. No matter how old we are, sometimes in the life of faith, We all need to be reminded of that fourth-grade wisdom. Reading all the way through to the end is always a good idea. It's like realizing that we don't have to master long division or get all the chalk out of the erasers. We do not have to frantically toil to be in good standing with God. We already know number ten, which is grace. Amen.